Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we delve into all sorts of improv topics. And today we are returning to our A to Z of Improv series, focusing on the letter D with returning guest, the Mayor of Improv, Mark Turpin. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means that you can ask Alexa to play the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and help get our name out there. Now, just before we do get into things, I will just say there were a few gremlins in the system which meant that internet connectivity was a bit all over the place for Mark, but I think we managed to hold it together well enough to have a great conversation, and there's really only a couple of tiny little moments where maybe uh, it dropped out just a little bit, but not enough that detracts from what was said. You can work out everything that was said, so just keep that in mind whilst listening, but we're going to get into it now as we delve into the A to Z, the letter D. And this week, we are... Jumping back into our A to Z of improv series, and we're focusing on the letter D. And to break it all down with me, let's welcome back to the show, the mayor of improv himself, it's Mark Turpin. Hi there, everyone. Hope you're doing well. How are you, Ian? I'm okay, thank you. Uh, this is my summer break from school, so life is peachy. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Yeah. Um, so I will just say at the start of this interview that Mark is having some uh, technical glitches, which hopefully uh, aren't going to cause too much of an issue. But uh, it's worth saying that they are there just in case there's any glitches along the way. So, yeah, we're looking at the, the letter D. These are all suggestions that were given a long time ago now, it feels, when I put some stuff out there on social media asking for people to write suggestions in for all of the different letters of the alphabet. These are different things that were written in for D. Mark has not seen any of these beforehand, so I'm going to be surprising him with these words or phrases and then (laughs) getting his take on things, and we'll just have a bit of a chat. Uh, So the first one, uh, I think we're going to have lots to say about this. The first suggestion for D that we're going to talk about is drop-in. So drop-in in improv. What's your take on drop-ins? Well, drop-ins are actually when I uh, very first started improv back in Manchester, which was about seven years ago. Um, So I was just looking for something different to do, and I saw this drop-in on the Meetup website. It's like a social website, which is worldwide. And I just thought, oh, that sounds intriguing. And so I thought... And there's a company called Impro Quo, who are based in Manchester. I give that a go. Um, No harm. If I don't like it, I don't have to go again. And then to one of their drop-ins on Thursday evening, it was in the back room of a pub in Manchester. And um, I loved it. The first time I went, I just absolutely loved it. I thought, "This this is me. This is the thing I want to do because I've, I've tried other things before that like salsa dancing which what's not me um various other things but improv it just really hit home with me it just felt right um 
never, never looked back. Um, I think drop-ins, in a way, uh, it's been good for me, but I think it's, I think a lot of people come to improv through drop-ins because I know you came to the LCI drop-in all those years ago before COVID. Yeah. In fact, I remember seeing, seeing you come through the door at the um, Farm the Love. I think you came through the door and I think I must have been probably one of the first or second people to say hello. Um, my name's Mark and who are you? And uh, yeah, that's how we got to know each other and here we are three years down the line. Yeah, I still remember how welcoming you were and there were others that were super welcoming and you don't know what you're walking into when it's your first time in a new place. No. But that's what makes drop-in so special because it's a great environment full of absolute beginners and sort of seasoned pros and everyone just comes together and has a great time. That's it. I remember the very first Chester we did um, Park Bench and I remember just freezing uh, when it was my turn to go on park bench. I just could not think of anything. So actually, I remember actually getting off the chair and actually leaving because I just couldn't think of anything um, to say to the other person. Um, but I mean, I still enjoyed it all the same. It's just like that first drop in sort of nerves, like what to say, what to do. Um, so I vividly remember that. I think, like you say, it's um, sort of no, it's like, like you say, it's people who've not been doing it for years, and then it could be someone's first time, and you could be doing a scene with someone who's never done improv before. And I know the LCI ones, it's always welcoming, whether you're new or old, or you've been there, it's always nice to go there and do improv with people you've never done improv with before and it's it's just really nice yeah and i think uh, certainly with lci i've noticed that the sort of cycles of people so you sort of go through maybe like a a a good few months where you kind of get in the same group and then for whatever reason some of that, (laughs) that regular group uh stop coming to the drop-ins and then new ones come in so then there's like you had like half the group that were there and then half a new group so it's constantly evolving and i think one of the things that happens is lots of people use the drop-in as a gateway and then they start doing specific courses instead and maybe they've only got one night a week that they can actually give to improv so they'll go off and do the long form eight week course or whatever or they might end up in a troop, like we end up in a troop. Uh, so then, you know, that mm-hmm. becomes the night where, oh, well, we're definitely going to make time for the Oikers. Maybe we can get to a drop-in. Uh, and also, I've seen drop-in from the other side because I I run Flinch Funny Bone and I facilitate Glossop Improv Online. So I, I see it from a different side where you're in charge of that situation and trying to stay on top of making sure that the session is suitable for everyone that's there because you might have something planned and then you turn up and you think, oh, I wasn't expecting a complete newbie tonight. So then you have to sort of change things and make sure that that person's going to feel comfortable and, but at the same time, make sure everyone else is still going to be engaged. So looking at it from the facilitator mm-hmm. side, there's, there's lots of things to, to think about as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you were saying about 
sort of turnover people, like, um, especially with, like, well, that's, I don't know if it's the case with all droppings, but I know definitely with LCI, uh, I, I went a lot in person before the pandemic, and the group that went, the regulars that went before the pandemic don't go as much, don't go now. I think it changed a lot. Um, sort of when Emma did the online stuff and then when we, went, we came back to doing in in real life, in person, um, we had, there was like a new lot of people that came along and then, like you say, they all, they'll do, they'll do it for a while and then they'll do the courses, like Emma do a long form courses or they might see other improv companies like there's um, Atom Improv that do courses as well in Liverpool. So um, it, it changes all the time, but I think in a way that is, it's good that it changes because it keeps it fresh for those that might still go on a regular basis. Um, I think what you tend to find sometimes if, if you've got the same people going, it can sometimes get a little bit stale. I mean, it's still good, but it's nice sometimes to have different people going along. So I think when you're having different people going over time, it keeps it it keeps it fresh. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a there's a great balance of when you've got like a new influx of of people that are coming, and it's starting to become like a regular thing that these newer um, people are coming to the sessions, but you've still got this great group of people that have been going for a while. And then it, you can do the same old things, but it's not stale because then the people that have been doing it for a while, they sort of get elevated into a position of sort of trying to nurture the others. And I think without thinking about it, the improv community, certainly the ones that, that we spend a lot of time with, are really good at sort of welcoming others in and giving them space and not sort of dominating and, and scaring these people out of it. Everyone's given like a, a fair time and the the sort of the ones that have been doing it a lot longer are really good at taking people under their wing and welcoming them in, I think. Yeah, I think the good droppings are the ones that are really welcoming, like Elsie and I think Glossop, Glossop Pin Prov as well. I mean, I did a couple of their online drop-ins during the pandemic and um, obviously they had like a regular group there but in the couple of times I went I still was made to feel really welcome by Jess or Seki and they were hosting and um, I always found Glossopper really welcoming community when I did go there and I still do I think um, Glossopper a really good example of how improv should be done. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I feel very lucky. Like I discovered LCI, then I discovered Glossop. I was able to sort of learn so much from, from both of those organizations and then sort of start Flinch Funny Bone, which runs very much in this, the same vein as, as they run. And I just feel like I hear a lot of people talking online about toxic this and toxic that to do with certain places in improv but i just feel very fortunate to be part of uh, lovely communities um, yeah yeah 
that, that's that's a thing. Um, and I think going back to still staying with drop-ins, um, especially when we did the online drop-ins with Emma during the pandemic, I don't know about you, but I think I learned so much um, online during that pandemic, not just with the drop-ins, but with the courses that we did because we were getting people not just from the UK, but from all over the world. And I think you learn different styles or different ways of doing improv, like the way we do improv here in the UK might be different to what, how we do it in the US or India or or in Europe. Um, so I think when we were doing the online drop-ins, I think I learned so much. Yeah, I think also like when you go to you go to a drop in, you know, there is a lead facilitator. You know, so in, in LCI, it's it's often Emma or it's been Jen or it's been Kat or mm. it's been Stu. There's been like there's been others, but it's predominantly Emma and you get to learn uh, from the facilitator. And that's great. But what's also great, especially if you're new, is you get to learn from everyone else that's in there because everyone's got a slightly different way of doing it. And just to go to a drop-in and oh, one week, oh, Mark might be there. The next week, Michael's there. The next week, Mark and Michael are there. And you can you can see all these different styles and you can see how everyone meshes these styles together. So although you can learn a lot from a facilitator at a drop-in, you can learn so much just from watching everyone else just getting stuck in. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. I mean some of the funniest scenes that I've ever witnessed have been at sort of LCI drop-ins. Um, like you just mentioned Michael there. Michael's probably one of the most funniest people I've sort of come across in my life. He, he just he just has funny bones, Michael. I, I, um, when you just see him perform, and he's just... I've actually bent over double from laughing so much at him sometimes. And he just has that effect on me. Um, and it's not just Michael, but there are others as well who I've seen. And you just, it's just the laughter you hear from the people watching that is just as good for me sometimes as actual, the actual improv that's been done at the time. And I just enjoy that laughter. Yeah, I love love the laughter, and you get that a lot in drop-ins, which is always, uh, always a great thing to do. Just laugh in life; it's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we're going to move on from drop-ins, and the next D word is discovery. So, discovery in improv. What are your thoughts? I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is discovering different types of improv. Um, so obviously when you first start out it's it's usually short form in the main and then as you progress um, you you find out um, that there's long form um, and there's dramatic improv there's different types of there's the Harold and all sorts of forms that you can do and um, for me, especially over the last three years or so, 
especially since we did it online, um, I've had the pleasure and sort of privilege of doing all sorts of different workshops, all sorts of different um, teachers from all over the world. And I've learned so much from them and just learning different ways of how to do improv. And I found that the more you do, the more different types of improv that you do, the more it helps you um, to progress as an improviser. And I think also it, um, it has a benefit outside of improv as well, because I think it can also help you in your life outside improv, like your work life and your personal life. So I think for me that's discovering all types of improv has really helped me as an improvising person. Yeah, I think there's a constant journey of discovery and improv, always discovering yeah. new people, always discovering new games, new ways of doing things, uh, new uh new organizations, new countries that have got people doing things online, new books to read, new podcasts to listen to, uh, new shows to go and watch. There's just so much to discover. And what you said there about it impacting your life outside of improv, I was actually having a conversation just a couple of days ago with Seki, and I, I pinpointed from the last few years some very definite moves that I made in my life that I genuinely don't think I would have made if improv hadn't given me a, a different way of thinking and their moves or decisions that I made that I'm really happy that I made. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if the Ian, like before the pandemic times would have made those decisions and I, I perhaps would have been hesitant and, denied myself a level of happiness that I've now achieved because I really embraced the say yes through discovering improv. Mm. Yeah, because I'm saying about improv's helped me out in work it has. I mean, before the pandemic, I would be one of these people when you have meetings at work, I would be one of the people that wouldn't say anything because I felt what I would say wouldn't be worth listening to. But now, uh, I think doing improv, especially since the pandemic, has given me the confidence to say, right, I've got something that I think needs raising. I'll, and I've got now I've got the confidence to actually raise that issue. And people do listen. They may not actually implement what I've done, but actually taking on board what I'm saying and it might be used in the future. But... Um, I think doing that is going to be the confidence to do that and also uh, lead training. Um, so I lead um, sort of a, led training sessions for new staff in work, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I think improvs helped me to do that because sometimes you get, especially doing it online, you do get glitches, like you just mentioned at the beginning of this, like you do get glitches with online presentations and sometimes you do have to adapt you have to improvise and i think actually improvising has helped me to do that so i think yeah i would say improv has helped me be to become a more confident person in the workplace 
Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned um, the online stuff there as well uh, during the pandemic times because the all of the improv, certainly that I was doing through the pandemic, taught me about Zoom and taught me how to be a part of online sessions and how to facilitate these sessions. And that has helped me greatly in my job as a teacher. And, you know, there was a time when we went into this sort of blended learning phase and I've always been the IT guy at the school and I was way ahead of the curve on things because I'd spent all of that time in lockdown online, learning how to use Zoom and, and learning how to use various different things um, that then I actually needed as part of my job. So improv online helped me discover things that actually <laughs> helped me uh, be very effective at my job for that period of time when it was needed. Yeah. Like also about discovery. I mean, um, we were talking before about people go off to do different things in improv, whether they go to different companies. Like recently I've been doing a lot of uh, drop-ins with Atom Improv on a Sunday because um, Mondays, are, Mondays are fine now. Um, I don't have much time to do the LCI drop-in anymore because I've always got other stuff on Monday. So um, I've been going to a few of the Atom Improv drop-ins on a Sunday and that's sort of more long form. Uh, so Al Donahoe, who runs that, he, he will do different things each week. So one week he might do documentary style improv. Uh, one week it might be the Harold, and then some, one week it will be something else. But it's always something different depending on what he's got up his sleeve. And um, I've been really enjoying that. And it's only a small group as well um so because I, I i do really like do both long and short form and but i do really want to get into long form improv a bit more um as i progress so it, going to the atom improv drop-ins have been really beneficial awesome yeah well that's something for the listeners to discover there you know just keep looking for improv and see what's out there and See what takes your fancy. See what you can discover. And then I'm going to move on to our next word. Uh, so our next word is drama. Drama. Now, it's funny. I, I thought you, I knew you were going to ask this because I was thinking of all the D words that you might have before I came on. I thought, I wonder if he's going to say D for drama or dramatic. Um, yeah. I really like dramatic improv and I would like to do more of it. Um, last year, uh, Emma did a duo prov course, um, which was about six, seven weeks early last year. And um, it was really, it was really good. And we, uh, so me and Heather Dickinson got together. There was, there was about eight of us on the course. It's like um, it was like Jeff Hedden, Helen Jones, uh, Jeff Hyde was on it, and Ewan was on it. And then there's me and Heather. Um, and we did a showcase, and I think Jen and Eddie 
and Jeff and Helen, this sort of comedic style. It was like we had 10 minutes each. Me and Helen decided to do dramatic improv uh, because we felt that was played to our strengths. And 10 minutes of dramatic improv, probably the, one of the best things I've ever done in improv. I really enjoyed it. And I think it really, you know, it went down well with the audience. Um, I remember uh, Jen's boyfriend, Ryan, come up to me and say, it was like seeing something at the um, Everyman Theatre mm-hmm. on Hope Street in Liverpool. And, um, yeah, I would like to get into more dramatic improv going forward because I really enjoy it. I like all the silences uh, that can get in dramatic improv, um, all the pauses. Um, yeah, I, I do want to get into more of that going forward. Um, so I hope to seek out more opportunities in uh, drama or dramatic improv. Awesome. Yeah, I love I love a bit of dramatic improv myself. Uh, and what, what I like is if I'm doing it, if I'm doing like a long form set and I'm with people that know me well, I find they're always sort of waiting. When's he going to when's he going to break? When's he going to throw in a pun? When's he going to do something <laughs> like funny? And sometimes it's a real challenge. I have to I have to really bite my tongue and say, no, I'm not going to make a joke. I'm not going to make a joke because I don't want to spoil the scene. Uh, so there's there is that something that came to my head when I saw the word drama was it just took me back to when I very first discovered improv when I was about six years old and I would go to drama lessons uh, I'll do drama in inverted commas because this was a Saturday morning thing I would go from nine o'clock till twelve o'clock every Saturday absolutely loved it and that is when I was first introduced to improv in these drama sessions and they were predominantly just warm-ups but sometimes these warm-ups might last an hour and that was always my favorite bit and we used to play the freeze game uh or i I think we mostly call it freeze tag now but when i was a child it was just called the freeze game everyone would be in a circle two people would go in the middle start a scene and then every now and again someone would shout freeze you'd come and tap someone take their position and then from whatever position you're in you start a new scene and it was this was, you know, when I'm six years old, totally obsessed with that game. I wanted to play that game all the time. Sometimes we'd like beg if we started with it, we'd be like, could we play it again at the end? And even then, like there were running gags that I now know are callbacks and things like that. But back when you're six, you, you don't know what a callback is. You just think it's funny. So there was this running thing. And I still remember it clear as day. If anyone was ever down on their knees or down on all fours someone would shout freeze you'd run in you'd take that position and you'd be like oh has anyone seen my contact lens and that was like a running gag every every week you can guarantee (laughs) at least one person is gonna go in when someone's on their knees and be looking for their contact lens uh so to me yeah drama drama class introduced me to improv all the way back then and I used improv for years without really understanding it the way that I understand it now. But I was using it when I was studying um, performing arts when, when I was younger. I've used it as a teacher for around 20 years. And it wasn't until I really got into improv 
I was able to understand more what I what I'd been using, what I'd been teaching. And to me, I I did always refer to it as sort of improv games. And I would tell people, oh, that's my favorite element of drama. Uh, but now, like now I've got a greater understanding of it. When I run sessions for children in school, whether it's for a whole class or whether it's for groups that I run there, or even when I'm fac facilitating things now, I I just love that this thing that I discovered when I was six in a drama class is still there and it's still having a massive impact in my life. And I feel like in some ways I've come full circle and now I get to start again, but I'm underpinning everything in a way that I, I, I never had before. Yeah. Yeah, something's just come to me actually. Uh, I was saying before, but I'd like to do more dramatic improv. I'm actually, I've actually signed up to do an uh, acting course with um, Mad in September, or from September. So, because um, I wanted to, try acting for ages and I know there's people especially like Liz and Jeff have done the courses before and I just thought oh, I want to give it a go I want to try it out and see what it's like because um, I think it'd be really interesting um, I'm just curious to find out um, the difference between improv and sort of I think the first course is about monologues, which you'd probably have to read from a script of blog. So the way there, so I'm just curious to find out the what the difference is between improv and doing sort of scripted drama, if you like. So I'm really sort of excited to find out how that goes and what the difference will be and how I, how I find that difference. Yeah, it is interesting when when you're going into acting and there are some people in the acting world that hate the idea of, of improvising. I've had a whole episode on this show about it when yeah. I had my friend Taz on and talking about it. And yeah, I just think back to there was a period of my life when I was putting on pantomimes with a youth group. We did it for about seven years and I was heavily involved in every element of of the shows and then the last three years of doing it I was in it with the children as well um and it was it was always interesting because some of the children could just naturally improvise they could naturally deal with something that didn't go right on the stage maybe there was a prop out of place or there was a light in cue that didn't quite go right because it was an automatic cue and someone had missed a line earlier and there were some children that could just instinctively just go with the flow and there were some that would really struggle. And then that would take me back to my acting days when, when I was doing more acting w with my peers. And yeah, and, and I, I've, I wasn't looking for it, but when I look back, I realize, oh yeah, there are some people that they might be incredibly good with it, but if anything goes differently to what is on that script, they just don't know what to do because that's what they've learned and that's what they prepared for. And then there are others that can improvise. And it's mm. weird because some directors love it when you can improvise and some directors hate it. So it's not even like 
you can just say, oh, everyone should improvise because, you know, you might come across a director that's like, no, you're going to do it exactly as it is on the script. Like, don't ever change it. So it's a, it's a weird thing, but it is a thing. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a thing. Like you were saying about directors, there's, I think it's um, Mike Lee. He's the one that is like a famous director who um, gets whenever he does a film, he'll get his actors sort of to improvise. Um, sort of sort of a script, but he'll get the actors involved to sort of improvise around that script, if you like. I'm sure there's other instances. Um, but then obviously there's actors out there who who started out in improv, obviously like your Steve Carrells and your Tina Fey's and Amy Polars. And I'm sure they probably improvised in whatever films or TV series that they've done over the years. Um, so I think imp- improvisation does happen uh, to a certain degree uh, in whatever TV series or film that you watch. Yeah, and th- there are some films that are improvised, um, or mostly improvised based on a loose script. Like I know the Nativity films, for example, they have a basic script and then it's all improvised. Mm, so that makes sense. Cause yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, right, we touched on directing there, which is a lovely segue because uh, that is one of the words, directing. Uh, so we've kind of talked about directing there. Uh but do you have just any more specific thoughts about directing? Uh, I think I think that springs to mind not necessarily as directing as in sort of film directing. Um but sometimes you might be in a scene or you might you might be in a scene where something might happen which um, might not be appropriate or something might be said which isn't appropriate so um, sometimes you might have to sort of direct the scene to where it, um, what is said is more is more appropriate um, it's not a, so it's not offensive or it's not you know um so that's the first thing that came to my mind about directing. So it's like directing the scene to a more comfortable sort of situation or outcome and sort of making sure that nothing untoward is going to be said or be done. Um, so that's the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned the word directing. Yeah, okay. I think... Just do... Um... What came to my mind when I heard it on top of also ideas that you've said there is in short form, the directing is sort of different to long form because in short form, whoever is in charge of the game is in charge of directing it to end at the right time. So if it's, if it's a drop in or if it's a workshop, then whoever is leading that drop in or workshop, it is, their responsibility to scene uh, the the scene to end that scene and like that is an art in itself 
ending that scene at at the right moment. And you know, we do it as as oikers as well. When when we're doing shows, we take it in turns to lead games, and so whoever is in charge of that game, they have to end that scene at the right time. And that is a difficult skill to master. Like actually, when is the best time to see it? Have I given them enough time? I've I've have I missed the high? Is it only going to go downhill from here? There's lots to to think about there, and also time. Like maybe maybe this scene hasn't quite reached its climax, but we've got to scene it because we're on a really tight schedule. So there's lots to think about when there is a person that is in charge of the scene like that. And then in long form, everyone is the director. Everyone's directing it because you're cutting scenes. You are adding to scenes, you're painting scenes, and it's all just a natural process. And it could be that some people take charge a bit more on the direction of the characters in, in a particular set, uh, but everyone is sort of directing it together. So directing is very important in improv. It's just a very different process to in, in more standard acting. Yeah, it's going back to what you're saying about our Oika shows that we take, like you say, we take it in terms to host the game. And I think it's, it, there's a fine, fine art and a fine balance between judging when a scene, when you should shout scene and when you shouldn't, because like you say, you don't want to end too early, but yet you don't want to let it drag on too long. Or so you don't want to run over because obviously Sometimes, most of the time, we only have half an hour. So it, you've got all those things in, going around in your head. Or oh, when do I end it? When do I end it? I think as time as you get more experience, I think it comes easy with practice because I, I know I find sometimes you, you sort of you, you sort of know you sort of get a feeling. Um, this sounds weird, but you get a feeling in your feet, um, like to say, right, this need, I think this has gone on too long now. This rubbish out scene, you just sort of get that intuition. But I think that only comes with more hosting that you do, and the more experience that you get as an improviser is it's just that intuition and that judgment does get easier, but. It is a fine, fine art to um, judging when a scene should be finished. Um, that's my experience anyway. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes it just, it, it's just got to be that feeling. You just got to feel it. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it might be good. Oh yeah. There might be plenty of time left, but you know that that scene's just peaked and that's the perfect time to, to end that short form scene. And sometimes, oh, we might need to stretch it out a little bit longer just because it's just about to peak. It just needs to give it a bit more time to breathe. So yeah, it, uh, it can chop and change. Uh, it all just comes down uh, to the details, which is a wonderful segue to our next word. Well, in fact, I'm going to group a few words together here. So we've got details, depth, and deep dive. So these were all suggested and I thought, they're kind of very similar, so we can discuss them all together. So details, depth, slash deep dive. Yeah, so the details, I mean, this is 
this sort of first thing I think of is it's always drummed into you at sort of especially like, like drop ins is like the who, what and where. So it's like who you are, what you're doing and where where you are. And you might get a suggestion to a location or a situation. Um but from then on it's like who are you in that situation? What are you doing in the situation and where are you in this situation or location? And I think the more detail that you add to a scene, I think the easier it is for the audience to follow and to understand what's going on. Um, because you find if you don't add anything, it's like the audience is thinking, well, what's going on? Uh, we don't know the names. Um, we don't know what the relationship is, etc. So it's just painting that scene. Um, not overlook again it's like a balance you don't want to overload with too much detail but yet you don't want to give too little it's just finding that balance to ensure that the audience is understanding what's what's going on in the scene yeah the audience needs to care if an audience doesn't know yeah who these people are who they are to each other and why they're there then they don't care and it's the same like if you went to a film or, or you went to watch a play and no one explained who they were or what they were doing you'd be like well, what's going on like you've got to give you got to give some pointers get people invested oh okay so that's who they are and that's that's where we've landed in this scene that makes sense oh i want to see how this plays out people people need those details to care yeah you're saying about depth and detail, I mean, obviously in short form, you might have only two or three minutes on a scene, whereas in long form, you have a, you might have five, ten, I mean, or even more, depending on what kind of improv that you're doing. Um, so you might have, uh, you've got to then have more time to, add more detail to the scene, make it more rich and make it just, um, you've got more time to breathe, but then you've got more time to add more detail to that scene. Um, so I think the time, the length of time in a scene can also help with how much detail you can give when you do a scene. Yeah, definitely. I think in the short form as well, it's very important to get those details out very quickly because you know you've only got a short amount of time. And if you're doing a long form set, then you can take your time a little bit with, with the details. You can give some of the details, but then you can let the rest come out in a more natural manner through, throughout a process because you've got the time to go on that deep dive and really add depth to these characters and maybe you might think you know what's going on but it might change based on the the narrative that's created when you, when you get this time to create more so yeah i think you can you can start a long form set knowing knowing less than i guess you need to know in a short form set but knowing that 
you're going to have time to see it evolve. So an audience member knows that they might not know all the details straight away, but by the end of it, it's going to be explained. But because short form is, is what it is, it's short. Everything kind of has to be explained very quickly so you can get to the point. Yeah, it's, um, it's like I'm just thinking back to that 10-minute dramatic scene I did with Heather. I mean, we only had 10 minutes. Um, so we had more time than the average short form scene, which is probably usually three minutes. Um, but we still only had 10 minutes. So again, it was that, that balance of not giving loads of detail at the beginning, but ensuring that everything was um, offered during that 10 minutes. I mean, you know, when we discussed this on the course, we could have found out more if we'd have done it for 20 minutes. Um, we could have... It'd be even more if we had more time. Um, so it's just, like, it's just again, the balance of giving the detail, going into depth when you're doing a short-form scene or a long-form scene. It's... Um, judging that and you have to judge that um, perfectly. Yeah, I, I've done a lot of long form in the last couple of years, uh, mostly sort of 15 to 20 minute sets. And I really uh, got my reps in for long form. And what always amazes me is how all of these sets that I'm part of draw to a conclusion at the right time. So it's generally done with like a phone or an iPad with the timer that when we reach our 15 or 20 minutes, it'll play a little tune or something. So we know it's ended the amount of times when that alarm has kicked in and everyone's just looked at each other like, wow, that, that couldn't have come at a better time. And so people just instinctively can mm. bring these stories to a conclusion by the time, uh, that the time reaches its its climax it's 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 crazy how how good people's instincts are for for that the more you do it i guess the more you get a feel for how the time is flowing but i i am constantly amazed at how good people are at getting that story to the perfect point just before the the alarm goes off yeah, I think if you do long form enough, and if you do it with this same group of people, uh, not necessarily, but you sort of reach a symbiosis where you sort of it's like a mind mind meld, if you like. So you're sort of knowing when the best time is to finish your 15, 20 minutes, you know, when it's going to come to a natural end. And, um, and it, it's amazing. Don't know how it works, but it's amazing when it does. It's just, yeah, it's just astounding. But it, when it does happen, it is, it is amazing. Yeah, um, and we're just talking about sort of long form. There, it nicely links in to uh, the next word I've got, which is deconstruction. Now, this was, this was again. It was, it was a word that that was put up there. And I wasn't 100% sure what they meant by deconstruction. And then 
when I looked into it more, I realized, oh, okay, it's a type of long form. So this type of long form is where you kind of start with a long form set, like maybe like a 10 minute set. And then you deconstruct it and you do a series of short form sets based on that long form set. So often it can be the other way around in long form where you'll start with you'll start with something quick and then you'll delve into it. Uh, but yeah, but deconstruction is where you, you see the, the long form set first and then you can break it down and you can do that by um, looking at characters returning to, to, to different points characters of situations mentioned in the first scene appearing in subsequent scenes subsequent subsequent scenes uh, can take place in the same environment as the first scene or those characters go somewhere else so have you seen that played out have, have you done anything like that yeah i was just thinking about this i probably it's one of those where i probably have done it but it's not called deconstruction it's probably some called something else, but I'm, I'm, I probably have done something similar to that, but obviously it wasn't called deconstruction, it was called something, and I'm sure I may have done something similar recently with Atom Improv where we did like a, started off doing a long scene. Um, well, that was it. I think we were all teachers in a staff room and it went on for more than five minutes, between five and ten minutes. And then once that ended, we then sort of did shorter little scenes that spun off from that first scene, if you like. Sometimes we were the character in, that we played in the long scene, or we might have been completely different characters uh, who were relating to the other characters from the first scene. Um, these little scenes lasted for about a minute or two. So yeah, I think I have done. I did do that recently. Um, so I think that sort of fits into what you're talking about with deconstruction. Yeah, uh, in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Look, looking at it like that, it made sense to me. Oh, yeah, of course, there's a format that, that's deconstruction. Um, because my initial thought of deconstruction was just that it's just people breaking everything down. Uh, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes people can break things down so much that I'm confused as to why they need to know. I'm just like, okay, it happened, maybe it was good, maybe it was bad, but because mm -hmm. you're always moving on, like, um. I don't always, I guess, take the time to deconstruct what's happened, but sometimes it's probably important to. Uh, right. Yeah. We are moving on to our final D now. Now, this one, it, it, it was written several times, actually, uh, when I asked for the suggestions. And it, it's a person, and it is a somewhat controversial person, but it is someone who you know, improv owes a lot to this person. And this person is Del Close. So mm -hmm. I just want to know what, what do you know about Del Close? Do you know much about Del Close? 
Yeah, I know little bits from what I've read on online, on you know, on Facebook, and that I know. Um, I think he was American or Canadian. I can't remember which now. Um, he's basically one of the sort of forefathers or four people of improv. Um, and I know some of these methods were quite controversial. Um, looking back now, they probably sit, they were controversial. Um, so yeah, it's just, you, you just read bits about it, you just hear people talking about him or posting about him. Um, or it could be quite controversial at times, but it's just like a little bit here and there. I've not really read into him that much. It's just, just seen bits here and there, to be honest. Yeah, uh, so... He he was American, and yeah, as you said, he's a very important person in terms of getting improv out there, sort of into the world. And he was an actor, a writer, a director, and a comedian, and he coached a lot of comedians, a lot of comedians that you will have heard of. And from what I can gather, he had a lot of demons. He had alcohol issues. He had drug issues. And he was often dealing with those issues on set and he would speak to people in very derogatory ways. He would just fire people on a whim. And then there, there were other types of allegations that came out sort of later on uh, after he had died. And it, so it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one because he is still sort of highly revered in improv circles because of his influence on modern improvisational theater. So definitely someone worth discussing on D because if I didn't mention Del Close for D, people would be like, Oh, Del Close for D should have mentioned Del Close. Um, so yeah, it's always, <laughs> it's always difficult to talk about, uh, certainly, someone you know we've ne we've never met him, and he's before our time, really. Uh, and you know, the past was a very different time as well. And the the things that he was doing, it was kind of more acceptable in in the sixties and seventies to to just be on set taking drugs and drinking and stuff. It was kind of the in thing. You know, uh, I studied music a lot more when I was younger, and, and that was definitely a thing with, with bands uh, that you wouldn't get these days. So par partly, I guess it was of its time that if you were in the entertainment industry, you you were more um, sort of expected to, to constantly be drinking or on the drugs or whatever. Um, but... Sadly, it, it had a he had a negative impact on a lot of people's lives, which it doesn't. So I guess it doesn't matter how many people he's impacted positively. It, it's it's a very sad situation that anyone has been negatively impacted by by a person. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of 
like a lot of people in the not a lot of people, but there are people in the entertainment world that would be improv or music or acting that may have been influential or iconic at whatever they did, whether it be acting or singing or improv. But unfortunately the they also had a negative there's a sort of negative side to them, which was a very nice side. Um, just you just come across it a lot, unfortunately. And then Dale Close comes into that category, um, unfortunately. Um, it's just one of those things, sadly. Yeah, well. I feel like we're ending on a on a on a bad note there, but it's it's been a really good chat, and uh, yeah, it was worth talking about. That close, just mentioning him uh, because we're talking about uh, key things in improv, and and he is one of the forefathers of of improv as we know it. So yeah, it was definitely worth discussing. Um, so thank you very much. It's been a, a really good deep dive into all things the letter D. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we hope we we didn't digress too much. <laughs> uh, we certainly did not. Um, so there we go. Uh, thank you very much to to Mark for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll we'll have you back in the not too distant future as well. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye. Right. Well, there we go. Thank you very much to Mark. It was really great as always to have Mark on the show and just to break down all things D to do with improv I hope you enjoyed the conversation and it's given you some food for thought there'll be plenty more to come from this series as we continue to move through the A to Z of improv so keep coming back because you never know when we're going to be dropping our next A to Z of improv special and as always we're going to be intertwining it with all our regular sorts of interviews I've got some great guests lined up and I'm very excited about what is to come for this show for the future now speaking of things to come for the future I have been alluding to something for a few episodes now in this little section at the end where I have a bit of a chat I have been mentioning voice acting and I said I'm going to reveal more about it in the coming weeks well it is time for me to tell you a little bit more and I'm not going to say that much really I'm going to let my website do the talking but I now have a website you can go to ianlukejones.com that's i-a-i-n-l-u-k-e-j-o-n-e-s.com and you can find out all things me there now when you get there you'll see that my my main focus on there is voice acting and that's the, the stuff that comes up first but there is a section for this podcast there is a section for my improv and it's basically a combination of all things me and all things that i love but i'm really excited about the voice acting because i am just having a great time doing it and you can hear my reels on there and i'm really proud of of the reels there's an animation reel and a gaming reel where I actually wrote the scripts for them as well. And I'm playing all the different characters. I did all the editing and I've been on a real journey and I'm still on that journey. And I like where this journey is taking me. 
So check out my website. I'd love to hear your feedback. Get in touch with me. Uh, let me know what you think. I've had some very positive feedback from a lot of wonderful people that have taken the time to go and check it out and, and get in touch and really let me know their feelings. So I do genuinely appreciate it. If you are one of those people, thank you so much. I am very excited about what lies ahead and I love that I can keep combining all of these things that I love. I love improv. I love this podcast. I love voice acting and my website just brings them all together. And the fact that I've built a website, I've never built a website before. It's my first one and I'm very proud of myself, uh, even if I do say so myself. So yeah, check out www.ianlukejones.com for everything me. There's even a nice little blog on there. I'm going to be adding some more to that. But check out what I've written already. And yeah, it's an exciting time because I really feel that I've tapped into my artistic side again. And just getting out there and exploring this world of voice acting. It's There's so many levels to it and just finding what really fits me is it's a great journey of discovery and I'm going to be perhaps even doing an episode explaining a bit more about my voice acting uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, watch this space. So anyway, that's enough about me and my voice acting and my website and things, but you can feel free to check it out. Uh, Right. If you are interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all of the information that you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram, we are at Live Comedy Improv. If you want to check out this show's Facebook page specifically, you can just search on Facebook for the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast and you will find the link to the page and then you'll get everything you could ever possibly need for this show. If you are a member of the LCI community and you'd like to be a guest on this show, then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we will make arrangements as soon as possible. Maybe you're brand new and you've never been on and you can just come on and we'll find out your improv journey. Maybe you have been on before Uh, but you want to come back, we can find a topic to talk about or you can talk about one of the letters in the A to Z. There's so many uh, exciting things that we could discuss, so it would be great to have you back if you are a previous guest or maybe you're someone that hasn't been on but you don't really want to come on and talk about yourself. You can just come on and talk about a topic or talk about one of the A to Zs. Why not? Just get in touch with me, get in touch with Emma. That's how you make it happen. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, then as always, I ask if you can leave us a five-star rating, a positive review, because there's little things like that that really help to get our name out there. I'll talk very briefly about uh, where you can find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I think I'm pretty much... Oh, no, LinkedIn as well. Yes, LinkedIn. Uh, that covers all of my socials. And you can find links to all of those on my shiny new website, which, if I haven't mentioned yet, is ianlukejones.com. But if you want to look specifically on the socials, if you search for at ianlukejones, that's where you'll find me all over the interwebs. Right, well, that pretty much brings me to the end of that. And you might tell there's a bit of a pep in my step. I'm feeling pretty good because I am on my summer break from school and it's given me an opportunity to rest and relax, uh, recover, but also it's given me an opportunity to really 
delve into all things creative. I'm doing loads of things with my voice acting and I'm doing loads of things with improv and podcast. And, uh, it's just great to just have this time to really focus and I've got some very exciting things coming up which I look forward to discussing with you in the future. All right, I'm rambling as always. It's that bit at the end of the podcast. Who is here still listening to me just talking away at the end? I'm always interested to know who actually makes it to the end. Whoever you are, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Right, I am going to go. But before I go, here are some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv. And yes, and...